Welcome to episode 21 of the Stick to Syracuse podcast. Hey, someone buy us a beer. My name is Brent Dax. So glad to have you here. How are you listening today? Did you find the link through on Syracuse.com or on social media? Both terrific ways to listen to the podcast, but I'd like to remind you that you can subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and SoundCloud. All terrific ways to follow the Stick to Syracuse podcast. It does come out every Monday, but if you hit that subscribe button, you'll automatically get it wherever you listen to your podcasts. Excited about our two guests today. One is longtime CNY Central anchor Matt Mulcahy. We'll find out his process and how he gets his various newscasts ready every day, but we'll also find out what Matt likes to do when the red light goes off and he's away from the studio. On the sound scene, Kathleen Mason chats with Jonas Nicholson at the Cafe Kubal Studios. Another first here on the Stick to Syracuse podcast. This is the first son of a previous guest to join the show, so we're looking forward to that. Just Joe's got to get the party started first, though. Let's do it, Joe. Gentlemen, your host of Stick to Syracuse, Brent X. I'm Matt Mulcahy inside the Vatican Museum complex. Bomb sniffing dogs nose through cameras and recorders. The Secret Service kept close watch. Military police stood guard. All part of the tight security for the arrival of the First Lady. Well, Megan, it's precisely the stories that are being told at the White House right now and also at the state capitol in Tallahassee, Florida, that made us realize it's so important for us to share what's going on in our own community about how police officers are preparing should the worst happen here. He's worked in Central New York News for more than 30 years. He was born and raised here in Central New York. He's the managing editor of the NBC3 News at 5, 6, and 11, as well as the CW6 News at 10. He's Emmy Award-winning journalist Matt Mulcahy. Matt's work has won him Emmy Awards, Syracuse Press Club Awards, the Associated Press, the New York State Broadcasters Association, and many more. Let's take a listen to our conversation with Matt Mulcahy of CNY Central. I have to say, this is the 21st interview I've done for this podcast. Mm. No cooler spot than where we sit right now. You you brought me to the set. We're here. Like yeah. I flip a button, we're on the air, man. Yeah, this Let's is go. this was kind of like I invited you over to my house. <laughs> in fact, I spend as much time in this studio as I probably do awake in my own house. <laughs> if you if you really balance you know? it out, right? If I took a nap here, it'd be probably equal to, the, to being home. But it, it really is a it really is home. Um, fortunately, it was remodeled fairly recently, so our it home looks is great in here. Our, yeah, our yeah. home our home looks pretty good these days. So five, six, ten, yeah. and eleven. Yeah, you spend in. The yeah, room. so that's that's two ninety minute blocks, which almost stretch into. So it's almost four hours a day, probably. That I'm sitting in this studio. How doing. comfortable are you? Just sitting here. Know where the camera is. Know when the red light goes on. I mean, Very. Tell me about your routine. About you know, it's fun. That's, that's, that's a funny yeah. question to ask because I was just talking about this yesterday. That. I could be busy all day long, um, work and outside of work, you know, maybe go for a run, uh, do some chores at home, at physically active, maybe working on something for work. And then I come in here at five o'clock and sometimes I feel 
like so relaxed, almost like somebody's gotten home from work and they sat down on their couch and they're kind of like, ah, oh, okay, what's going on today? <laughs> you know, but but then we're on TV, so it. But that speaks to the comfort level that I do feel. I, I think particularly in this studio, um, but also doing what we do and having done it for a long time. I think there's a yeah. sense of confidence that that one develops over time. That um, that helps with that feeling, and and of course you, in this especially in television, we're such a team-oriented operation that I'm confident that our team has done everything well. So when we do start at five o'clock or six o'clock or whatever time of day, it, it's going to go well. It's going to go well. So the content certainly changes day to day. But do you have a routine of how you get your shows ready? Yeah, uh, you know, we we have, again, credit goes to everybody in our newsroom. Um, They make my job much easier than it could be otherwise. You know, that they, is a 24-hour a day operation. There's producers in the newsroom 24 hours a day, really seven days a week to some extent. You know, assignment desk, news director, assistant news director, general manager, corporate level support, photographers, editors, master control operators, everybody doing their job whether it's a big job or a smaller piece of the big job um, so that that helps me be able to focus on what's actually in the news you know what are the scripts we're going to be reading on the air what are the stories that I need to be well informed about so for example if there is no script or we get into a breaking news or a live situation where, where it's just not scripted at all that I'm always prepared to do that so so I again I kind of falls back on that that team idea that um, that there's so many people that are involved in putting on the news broadcast on a daily basis that that allows me or other anchors too to be be free to anchor and, and do that part of the job. Media environment though, when we're talking about our phones uh, as our first source of information, and then all the different time blocks that were on the air with our broadcast that we could we could lead we we will lead with a different story at five five thirty six o'clock tonight. Um, same thing at, at 10 and 11. We're going to have different leads at different times. So we have the opportunity to have a lot of different news stories be prominently showcased within our, our broadcast. Um, it's kind of hard to make the wrong choice some days because we have a lot of good, strong options. We have good reporters uh, doing work out in the field. So, um, yeah, we're always, we're always trying to make sure we're on the right track. Um, and take the feedback as we get it from from viewers, whether it's phone, email, Facebook, whatever it is. Yeah. Matt, by and large, how do you see the role of the local television anchor here in 2019? The world's changed. There's so many more sources, so many more ways to get your information. You know, we're kind of fighting that fake news battle. Go back to the days, Walter Cronkite, he's the most trusted man in America, yeah. right? Well, yeah. certainly we've evolved past that. But where do you see that role here today and, and maybe... You know, it's, it's tough to anticipate things going forward, but how do you stay on your toes with that role? Going well, I, I think you brought up a good point, uh, and you use that word trust with, with regard to Walter Cronkite 35 years ago. Um, I think that still is the role that our local media can play, and a local news anchor, and an anchor who's been in the market a long time can bring to our viewers. That they, they turn on the news. If, if I'm telling them they're going to trust me, that, I, that, it's, that it is legitimate news, that it is good reporting, that it's sound journalism, that it's something that people at home can, can take it in, maybe make their own decision about a story. They can share it with their friends, you know, verbally over the fence post, water cooler, whatever it is, and know that the information they got was solid with us. You know, the research does show, despite the change in 
the way we get our news that local television news still is really at the top of the list for how most people get their news um, still. So that's, that says a lot about the trust and the faith that the community, uh, a wide-reaching community, has in what we do every day. You and I both grew up here, hmm. and I wouldn't want to be anyplace else in the world, right? But have you had opportunities, maybe knock on the door to, to go somewhere else? Because you grew up in Liverpool, went to college nearby, Binghamton and Ithaca, and yep. gravitated back to your hometown. And there's something special about that, and there's something I love about that. But sometimes you do kind of wonder, like, what else is out there? Have you had those opportunities? Yeah, yeah. And, and, I, and I'm very proud of the career that I've had in Syracuse. I've been very fortunate to do the news in the place where I grew up. I think that's been an asset. Um, for me personally, professionally, and, and for our station to be able to do that. Um, although when I, was, when I was in Ithaca College learning the, the first parts of how do you do this job, I didn't necessarily think that I was going to end up being in Syracuse for the next 30 years. Um, I, uh, I, and, and even along the way, uh, you, you know, there, there's been windows of change and transition, whether it's been, you know, the first period of time I was here at Channel 3, then I was at Channel 5, then I came back to Channel 3. And, and anytime you have transition, you, you, you have to think of other choices and opportunities and broaden your horizon. And, and I've had um, offers and interests from other larger markets. And then, you know, you talk to your family and you weigh is that the right opportunity for us at that time? And, and they haven't been. So, so you keep going with what's a good opportunity where you are. Um, and I, it's worked out very well. I, I think it hasn't it. I think so. So far, so good, right? <laughs> I think it's going good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> keep it rolling, baby. You mentioned your wife, Jamie. Uh, one thing I know you and her are very proud of is yeah. your Shamrock Animal yeah. Fund, something that you do. Speaking of finding the time, yeah. but you do find the time to do it. You yeah. do an excellent job with it. Uh, tell us about that fund, though, for those that aren't aware. Yeah, of well, the Shamrock Animal Fund is is almost 10 years old now. We started in 20, January of 2010. I guess this is our 10th year, uh, which we started in, in memory of our dog, Shamrock, who in his he almost lived to 19, incredibly. Wow. Um, and, and, and he's become a bit over-glorified, I, I think, you know, by having a foundation named after him which is kind of funny but but we found in the last few years of his life that if we were at vet visits or we we're down at Cornell at Ithaca and and we we're fortunate that our dog was older but not never had that critical illness but you see people making decisions for care based solely on the cost so Jamie and I talked about it she always wanted to do something with animals she's the the super animal lover of the two of us beyond anything that I could claim and and we decided if we could start a not-for-profit that could help pay for the care uh, for people who have financial need who have sick pets then then we were going to do that and and we have and we've uh, along with uh, helping individual families we for five years held healthy pet clinics in some of the poorest neighborhoods of Syracuse and served 3,500 animals with uh, veterinary exams and vaccinations um, with the help of volunteer vets in our community and numerous other volunteers so it's been highly rewarding um, and and it's shamrockanimalfund.com is where you can find out more about it. Outside of uh, work, Matt, I know you play golf because you and I just played golf. We last did. Weekend. We, we should have practiced first, yeah. I think. We got, Matt and I got a little cocky because, see, <laughs> last year we played in what Nico Tamurian, also of CNY sure. Central, has the annual Alonzo Open, it's called, right. which does benefit the Shamrock Animal Fund. And yes. Matt and I almost won it last year. Yeah, we were, we were on fire. We were on fire, man. So Matt and I get paired again. I'm like, all right, yeah. Well, yeah, I'll just go yeah. to the putting green a right. little bit and right. we'll just right. win it this time. Right. 
Yeah, this year it's not, not so much. Works, but no. I know you really enjoy golf. I do. I know you enjoy running. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I do. I do. Uh, I, I love getting out and, and running. Uh, I've been doing spinning classes this year, and I love playing basketball st- Saturday mornings with this largely the same group of guys, the ones who haven't gotten hurt or aged or who have <laughs> aged out of it, which which is reasonable at this point. Um, but uh, so recreationally still doing that and and it's great to to be healthy and active you know especially as we get older I hate to say it but but that's really critical I think you know we're coming to that time of the year too man I know you really enjoy jazz yeah no jazz fest in central New York yeah that's is disappointing that, I was gonna say is there a little hole in your heart there, there is and, and for several years we um, worked with Frank Malfitano and did a live broadcast from jazz fest uh, on the campus of Onondaga Community College and 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 speaking of growing up I worked at Long Branch Park in Liverpool when Jazz Fest was there when I worked for Onondaga County Parks and had to clean the restrooms during Jazz Fest, which was also a memorable experience. <laughs> I can imagine. Uh, so so my, uh, my affection for the Syracuse Jazz Fest goes back more than 30 years, and um, I would encourage any corporation with any... Uh, charitable dollars that they're trying to figure out what to do with them to, to call Frank Malfitano and, and get Jazz Fest going again. It looks like this year it's not going to happen. I know he's still trying to get it going in general, but it, but yes, I think it's a hole in the community because it was the biggest and the best of, and 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 of the free music festivals. It wasn't just oh, there's another festival in Clinton Square. This was always a big deal with great artists, national acts, and yeah, and I, I loved being there and being part of it. Something you told me when we played golf really stuck with me, and it was just a simple story of how you and Jamie found a a nice little restaurant that you had never been to before, right? And when people complain about this town, Central New York, Syracuse, whatever the case may be, it's those stories I want to tell because you've lived here your entire life, worked here your entire life, same thing with me. But it's always exhilarating when you find something new like that, some corner you haven't been on, some restaurant you haven't been to and eaten at, and I feel like that's happening more and more in this town it just seems like there's a revival yeah if you want to keep it to the parameters of Syracuse but if you want to include central New York like I'm always proud of where I'm from but really the last few years I just feel a new energy do you you sense that yeah I I think so and I and I think it's this was interesting I just was reading uh, related to 81 information what the future for 81 is going to be which which by the way they need to tear down the highway and not put it back there um, but in, in doing that research, I went back in 1940 or 50, our, our city had 200,000 plus residents, and now it's about 120,000. We were the 40th or 42nd biggest market in the country um, going back to post-World War II, and it's been a downward trend for the most part since that period, uh, and, and part of that was exactly what happened throughout my lifetime was you know flight to the suburbs and then and then flight out of the area but the first thing was flight out of out of the the central part of the city to the suburbs i think what you're seeing now is coming back to the central city and that's part of that dynamic feeling that you're talking about that that yes people are living downtown more commonly again you know every every apartment they build is either sold or rented uh there's more Vitality. There's there is Hanover Square and Armory Square and and Warren Street and and Salina Street finding tr- trying to find its way again um, compared to say my childhood when it was still you know Day Brothers and Sibleys and Addises and they were still they were still doing fine Wells and Coverly. Um, yes, I think you're right that 
that that sense of of a better, uh, more dynamic, vital community uh, is we're enjoying a resurgence in that respect. It's always slower than what we'd like it to be. Yes. And that's true in most communities. I, I think we suffer from that a little bit more than, than most places, that we go even slower than slow <laughs> sometimes. You know, the Inner Harbor is a good example. Yes. You know, that, that it's been, you know, they tore down the oil tanks how many years ago, which was obviously critical to, to doing anything. But then now it's been big open lots, and now then there's one hotel. Now the IMP is trying to get people in there and, but it was already supposed to be many other buildings by now. And that's sort of the nature of what we seem to run up against a little bit too often. Hopefully that will not be the case with 81. We shall see. Yeah, that's, well, that's a good point. And, and it is worth noting that uh, as much as it feels like it's been, I think it's been 13 years since Van Robinson first started talking about taking down 81. It feels like it's an open-ended opportunity that, to create something new for our community. But but what if it's not actually open-ended? What if somebody, somebody in the federal government says, this community can't figure out what it's doing. We're going to move on and, and give our $2 billion to somebody else. That would be the, that would be the worst outcome of all of it. So, so yes, we want to come to the right decision. Yes, there has to be some level of consensus, although not everybody's going to agree at any point. Um, but, but, yes, it, it, it is potentially reinvigorating, revitalizing, and critical for the future of decades to come for our town and for our region that it, that it gets done right. What we just discussed maybe warmed you up a little bit for it, but I want to ask you, what makes Syracuse Syracuse? Well, that's a good way, that's a good way to ask that question, too. What makes it Syracuse? Well, well, first of all, I think we wouldn't be Syracuse if we were too optimistic 365 days a year. That we still, and, I, and it must be weather-related. Yes. You know, that it's not, most of us would agree that we actually don't mind a snowy, sunny day or a cold day. What we mind is the, the overabundance of clouds that tend to drag us down, even when we don't realize yet we're being dragged down. So, so without that element of Syracuse and Central New York and just a little bit of, of um, well-intentioned negativity, let's put it that way, then I don't think we would be Syracuse. But that's, that's kind of an amusing reality of it all. Um, I, I think the strength of it, though, is that we are, we are loaded with people that have spent their whole lives here. Um, we could use more people that haven't spent their whole lives here, coming to find out the assets that we have, the, you know, the ease of transportation, the affordability of housing, the great schools that are uh, in every town around here. Um, you know, we have so many assets, and obviously we love our Syracuse Orange sports, football and basketball, and people even finding the ballpark again with the Mets this year, which is nice. Um, we, we really do have great entertainment vehicles. The amphitheater's been a great addition, I think, in these last three or four years. Uh, I love Pizza Freed at the State Fair. Um, so I think, I think there's a, it really comes down to people that you're going to find good people who care about their area, care about each other, and, and that's, that's really what makes Syracuse as a kind of a welcoming community, I think. Hey, what do you say? Have a happy day because we're living in Syracuse. We have a first here on the sound scene. You may remember a few episodes back, we chatted with William Nicholson of the Love Tones. Well, now, meet his son, Jonas, of Vaporize, a Syracuse-based progressive rock psychedelic jam band. The sound scene is recorded at Cafe Kubal Studios. Hey, pretty cool thing going on. If you go to CafeKubal.com and put in code Stick to Syracuse at checkout, you'll get 20% off your order. Here's Jonas Nicholson. She took me home. 
So you've been on the music scene here in Syracuse for a while. Um, you do do things on a solo basis, but you are also part of a band called Vaporize. Yeah. Can you tell me about a little bit about the band? Sure. Uh, well, it has been quite a while actually with these guys. Um, approaching ten years, we're like nine and a half now. Our issue was. Um, Bands tend to start either doing a lot of covers and drawing people in or just being subpar and then getting good slowly. And we kind of chose the latter inadvertently. <laughs> but here we are, finally feeling really good and making moves and, you know, a lot of local stuff, done a couple tours, uh, step by step. It's fun because it's kind of the polar opposite of what I do on a solo-wise. I do a lot of folky kind of stuff. But in the band, I'm playing three synthesizers and vocals and like a vocoder and um, I would describe it as, well, the first word that comes to mind is psychedelic, but when people say that, they kind of think, you know, slow and noodly. It's a lot tighter <laughs> and dancier and more deliberate than that. So I've been saying to people that need a comparison, it's a lot like if King Crimson and the progressive good yes came together and were blended in a Lotus brand blender. So that, that's my <laughs> best way cool. of putting it. <laughs> Very cool. I love it. So why did you choose to do that specific sort of different type of music on your own? Or is that just something that comes out of you when you're solo? Um, I'd say there is a reason, but it is, it's also natural, like you said. Um, I think it's just a time and a place for different emotions and things, I guess. Uh, most of the songs I do on my own solo project thing, I would not bring over to Vaporize because... I just feel like it wouldn't fit. It's a lot more obviously personal. Not mm -hmm. that not that the lyrics in Vaporize songs are not personal, but I kind of try to make them more more approachable, mm -hmm. I guess, so people can interpret them in different ways. Uh, a lot of my solo stuff is like, oh, wow, um, that guy's sad. I can tell. Or <laughs> that's a love song. I can tell. <laughs> right. So it's, the official release is July 28th, but we're having a release party at Funkin' Waffles downtown here. Uh, the 27th on uh, Saturday so if you want to get the album a day early and uh, help pay for the many 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 expenses producing it uh, right. come on down <laughs> So where can people find you? Um, I and we both are on most of the social media pages, except for Twitter, because it's just too much. You know, nobody wants to hear my minute thoughts. Uh, 
You can find me solo at facebook.com slash jonasnicholsonmusic and jonasnicholsonmusic.bandcamp.com. A lot of free, free uh, folky fingerstyle guitar tunes and um, vaporize can be found at facebook.com slash vaporizeofficial. It's vapor, E-Y-E-S, because we were so clever in a dank basement 10 years ago. <laughs> and uh, you can pre-order the album if you'd like. Uh, vaporizeofficial.bandcamp.com Yes. Plug over. Do that, people. <laughs> and make sure you go to Funkin' Waffles in July. July 27th, please and thank you. Thanks for hanging with us here on episode 21 of the Stick to Syracuse podcast. From Matt Mulcahy, from Kathleen Mason, to Jonas Nicholson, my name is Brent Axe. Don't forget about that cool code, cafecubal.com at checkout. Put in code Stick to Syracuse and you'll get 20% off your order. Don't forget to subscribe iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, and Spotify to make sure you automatically get new episodes of the Stick to Syracuse podcast. Enjoy your 4th of July, everybody. Until next time, I'll meet you at Media Play. <laughs>